Maybe I'm blinded by the upside. Maybe I am. Why am I keeping this coaching team? I like watching the guy play. I like to see him play every week on my team. We all know that that would be pretty much your dream come true. But what's the alternative? Put in the doghouse for lack of effort. He's a spectator. Where's his value? If you're playing a competent NFL defense, you just cross your fingers and pray. Well, that definitely got us fired up. Happy New Year, everybody. Ryan McNichols here, host of the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. Today is December 30th, 2022, last day of 2022, last podcast for the calendar year. It is just me by myself this week. Again, some scheduling issues prevented all of us from being together this week. Not a big deal. So I am just going to go through a little bit of Thursday Night Football, go through some of the latest injury news and some of the stories around the NFL that aren't necessarily pertaining to injury, and then we're going to get out of here. going to try to make this a quick short one for you. So with that being said, let's hop right into it. We're going to start off talking about Thursday Night Football. So if you didn't watch this, I, I never want to tell people not to watch a football game, but you probably didn't need to watch this football game, as most Thursday Night Games have been this year. So, first off, it was the Tennessee Titans versus Dallas Cowboys. There's no Ryan Tannehill, who's been out due to an injury. Not only that, there was no Malik Willis. The Titans, this game doesn't matter for the Titans, essentially. The Titans only need to win next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars in order for them to make the playoffs and win the division. So, ultimately, this game did not matter for the Tennessee Titans, so they had no problem just kind of sitting everybody. So, in addition to, obviously, Tannehill's out during injury, they sat Malik Willis... I don't know if that was a strategy to do better at the game or just kind of hide him and protect him for the time being. But additionally to that, they also sat Derrick Henry, who was dealing with a little bit of an injury himself. So he did not play in last night's game. And as you can imagine, the Cowboys won 27-13. Game was a little closer than it should have been to start off. Dak Prescott did not have the best game. Two interceptions and a fumble lost. And Joshua Dobbs on the other side for the Tennessee Titans did, you know, his best his best job or his best impression. Completed 20 passes, 232 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He also lost a fumble, had three carries for 12 yards. So, realistically, his numbers weren't too far off from Dax, aside from, you know, one touchdown and one interception versus Dak's two touchdowns and two interceptions. And only a 50 passing yard difference, so, you know... It kind of says more about how the Cowboys have been playing than it has the Titans. The Cowboys obviously have struggled the past couple of weeks, struggled and almost lost to the Texans. Then they turn around and, you know, almost lose to the Eagles' backup quarterback. And then they struggle against the Tennessee Titans. They lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's been a rough couple of games for the Dallas Cowboys, for a team that is, you know, potentially in contention for the number one spot in the NFC Conference. That's, you know, possible if the Eagles happen to lose this week and next week and the Cowboys win, and then it goes to some tiebreakers. And I think the Cowboys might have the tiebreakers, which might be division or something like that, or conference, whatever it is. But yeah, so Joshua Dobbs, quarterback for the Titans, no Derrick Henry. I hope you didn't start any of the players on the Titans side. If you did, for some reason, start Traylon Burks or Robert Woods, they did put up serviceable numbers, 12 and 14 points. And then as far as the Cowboys side, you know, you might have expected with no Tony Pollard being active tonight for the Cowboys that Zeke would have seen a lot of action in the game. But he really he saw some action he just didn't do much with it 19 carries for 37 yards not involved in the passing game at all it was really all cd lamb and dalton schultz 
So, I mean, moving forward, obviously, you're starting C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz. The other pass catchers there are risky. And the running back position, again, I've been off of Zeke all year. And it seems like anybody who's had him has been really frustrated with the ride that they've been dealing with. And it's kind of like every week they have to justify why you started him. Like, oh, he managed to eke out, you know, 12 points this week or 14 points this week when he fell into the end zone there. And it's not necessarily thrilling. So I hope you weren't starting as... You know, if you start Ezekiel Elliott in the fantasy championship, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what else to tell you. And if you had Derrick Henry in your account and on starting him and you didn't have him available and you went to Hassan Haskins, I'm sorry for that as well. That's very unfortunate for you in championship week. But these things happen, and this is why it's important to have depth behind you. So that's it for Thursday Night Football. Went a little longer than I even imagined to on that. So now we're going to hop into some of the major injury news out of the week. going to start off with the quarterback position first one Jalen Hurts put in a limited practice on Wednesday and Thursday there's a very real possibility that he does play this upcoming week against the New Orleans Saints so just keep that in mind again none of the pass catchers really took a hit last week with Gardner Minshew being out there obviously you know bigger day for some than others but, you know, we expected Miles Sanders to see a little bit of a boost, and he did get plenty of volume, 21-22 opportunities last week. However, he had the fumble, and he wasn't—he only had one catch, so he wasn't involved a lot in the passing game. So despite having, you know, 21 opportunities last week, still had a subpar fantasy output for you. They're playing the New Orleans Saints, who look like they could be down a few key players, who we'll get to a little bit later on. But Miles Sanders is the only one that's a risky play, essentially, when I'm looking at it. He's still getting plenty of volume, so you can still play him because he should have a safe floor for you, where even if he isn't really involved in the passing game and doesn't score a touchdown, he should still get you around 10 fantasy points safely with the possibility of, you know, getting you 15 to 20 if he happens to fall into the end zone and maybe get a couple extra passes. But you're still starting you're still starting A.J. Brown. You're still starting Devontae Smith. You're still starting Dallas Goddard, whether it's Hurts or Minshew under center. And then you probably still start Miles Sanders as well. They're all still starts. It's just a matter of, you know, do you want to, if Hurts is available, do you start Hurts knowing that he's banged up and playing against New Orleans Saints and we don't know how high scoring this game is going to be and he could be pulled out. And if he's not there, you can, I guess you can start Gardner Minshew as a, you know, streaming option, flex option if you're in some deep trouble. Especially if you have someone like Tua Tugavailoa who was ruled out for this upcoming week's game with a concussion. So Teddy Bridgewater will be the backup for the Miami Dolphins. Again, if you if you lose to it, Gardner Minshew is not a bad option to stream in his place. You could also stream Teddy Bridgewater if you want to for the Miami Dolphins. He had a you know serviceable game the last time he had to start. He had to take over. I think really what this does it makes it a little bit more risky. So. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are top 10 receivers on this season, but they've had several weeks where obviously they're gonna, they could essentially win you the entire week almost single-handedly if you just played the two of them. But then they also have weeks where they just kind of disappear from you. And so with Teddy Bridgewater being the quarterback this upcoming week for the Miami Dolphins, it just it makes me very nervous about starting either one of these guys. Obviously, you're still going to start them. I don't know that you have very many other, you know, options to start over them, but they're playing the New England Patriots. 
solid defense, usually give, you know, their divisional opponents a run for their money. Basically, what this comes down to is I think one of Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill will have a big game, but I don't think that both of them can have huge games this week. And so that was that's what makes me nervous is that I think one of them might have, you know, a decent game of getting around 20 or so fantasy points, but I think it might come at the cost of the other, and I'm just not sure which one of them it's going to be. So again, you're still starting both of them, but with them out th- with Teddy Bridgewater out there. Instead of Tua, it's one of those things where now if I'm looking at the rest of my roster, I might be looking at some other guys who have more upside and less of a safer floor because I'm now concerned about the floor for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, And so I might need to shoot for a higher ceiling just all around to make up for the fact that their floor could fall out. And this could be, you know, an eight, nine point game from whichever one of these guys I'm counting on. Moving away from quarterback position, we've got a couple injuries at the running back position. Aaron Jones, limited this week with a knee and ankle injury. Austin Eckler also limited with a knee injury. They both look like they're going to go this upcoming week, but again, just keep it. This is something to keep an eye on. Keep on reports. Keep out. Keep an eye out for reports on early Saturday and Sunday morning about these two guys because, I mean, the Packers are competing for a playoff spot. They're competing for their life, so it's hard to really sit somebody, especially somebody like Aaron Jones, who's such an integral part of your offense. But the Chargers have already clinched a playoff spot, and there's not really, there's no chance that they get the first seed in the AFC. So there is a real possibility that the Chargers might decide to rest Austin Eckler or give him a limited amount of snaps in this upcoming game because it doesn't have a huge effect on the outcome of their season. They're really just playing spoiler and playing for which wild card position they want to be in. So keep an eye out for that. Alvin Kamara did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday, dealing with a quadricep, dealing with a quad issue. Keep an eye out for the practice report on Friday, but obviously a guy who didn't practice for two days of the week and is then going to play against the Philadelphia Eagles defense this week on a not a particularly effective offense. I'm not sure. I would be looking to not start Alvin Kamara this week. I know that might seem crazy, but I just... I'm not confident with between the injury and between the defense that he's playing that he's somebody you can reliably start and trust in the championship weekend. Again, not knowing anyone's individual roster constructions, how would I feel about it? But let me. So in the same game, if my choice was starting Miles Sanders or Alvin Kamara, I might be going Miles Sanders because there still is a chance, even with Gardner Minshew under center, that the Eagles get up big and they just turn to running the football. Or they keep it more competitive and he just stays more involved in the game than he typically is. And I just don't know. It seems like Alvin Kamara hasn't been as involved in the passing game as he used to be in past seasons. And that's kind of really taken away. That was one of the things that separated him before from the other, you know, running backs in the league. Only, you know, six targets over the past two games. He did get four targets last week. But this, again, they're playing against the Cleveland Browns. It was a very... That was a very ground-and-pound game for both sides of the football, so that's why he was able to keep it as close as they were. But I'm just, I am just—I would be extremely nervous about starting Alvin Kamara this week. So prior to last week where he was RB8, he was RB24, RB42, and RB42. So he's had one top-10 finish in his past nine games. So, again, it's just... 
don't start Alvin Kamara thinking this is the Alvin Kamara of past years where you're just automatically guaranteed to get 14, 15 points with the chance of having 25 to 30 point games. That's not a realistic outlook if you have Alvin Kamara. So again, I'm not telling you not to start Alvin Kamara. I'd be looking for ways to not start him if I could. Again, mentioning somebody like Miles Sanders or something like that, but with the way it is, again, this is just one of those things where if you start him, just remember, like, he's just like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. That floor that he had is no longer safe. You're no longer looking at a safe floor with a high upside. You're looking at a more volatile player, somebody whose floor could fall out from them. So if that's the case, you have to decide, do I need to go more upside players to make up for the fact that this guy's floor could fall out? Or do I want to go a, a couple more steady guys who I know are going to put up that 14 points for me? That way, even if this, even if the floor falls out on Kamara, I still got solid points from the other guys. It's the, whatever strategy you want to do, whatever strategy is preferable for you. But that's essentially what you're looking at doing with Kamara. It gets harder because we have some other running back news. James Conner did not practice Wednesday and Thursday dealing with an illness. So missed two days, missed two practices due to an illness. It's not good. It's not as ba- it's not the same as being injured because you're not guaranteed to miss it, but you just wonder how a guy's doing if he's dealing with an illness like that. Also playing on an ineffective offense with I think Colt McCoy will actually be back under center for them this week, playing the Atlanta Falcons. This is something to keep an eye on. Obviously, you know he had twenty five points last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been going off when he's been playing. If James Conner plays, you're gonna play him. Between the amount of volume he's getting and the fact that they're playing the Atlanta defense, you, you have to throw him out there and start him. But this is just something to keep an eye on because, again, did not practice the past two days due to an illness. See where he's at on Friday and then check again for on Saturday and Sunday morning. See what's going on with him. And then last running back injury we're going to talk about, Antonio Gibson did not practice Wednesday and Thursday dealing with a knee-slash-foot injury. If he doesn't play, you already weren't playing Antonio Gibson. Let's get that out of the way. He's been essentially the primary uh pass catching back for the Washington Commanders that hasn't led to a whole lot for him because he's not seeing enough volume but with him out it might give enough volume to Brian Robinson to make him a viable streamer or flex play at the position this week moving on to wide receivers Stefan Diggs did not practice on Thursday due to an illness they play on Monday so he does get some extra time to see if he's going to be available just keep an eye on that. I know he had a disappointing week last week for you. If you managed to make it through with him, this obviously is a little disconcerting. But if he plays, you got to play Stephon Diggs. Christian Watson did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday dealing with a hip injury. This is going to be a serious blow to the Packers' playoff chance as Watson has sort of emerged as their leading receiver over the past couple of weeks. If he's out, it's a boost to Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs, but you can't start Alan Lazard or Romeo Dobbs in championship week, so don't do it. Christian Watson's the only pass catcher you would start as a flex option if he's if he was available to play. However, with this injury, I don't think he will be. And if he is out there, I'd be nervous about starting him. So you're just kind of stuck at using the running back position for the Green Bay Packers. Chris Olave was limited on Wednesday and Thursday after not playing last week. So Chris Olave is playing the Philadelphia Eagles this upcoming weekend. He didn't practice last week. It's going to be his first game back. He's going to be playing against one of the best secondaries in the NFL and championship week. You can't start Chris Olave this week. I'm sorry. As much as I wanted him to work all season, as much as you might have wanted him to work all season, you can't take that risk this week of him being shut down by Darius Lay and James Bradbury and doing absolutely nothing for you in a game where the Saints, you know, technically still competing for the number one spot in the NFC South, but not a great chance of getting it. They don't have the tiebreakers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or anything like that. So they may just very well 
kind of you know pack it in if they start getting blown out is my main concern in addition to the general ineffectiveness of the offense Tyler Lockett though some good news for wide receivers Tyler Lockett was back at practice on Thursday There's a slight possibility he is available to go this week, so keep an eye out on that. And then Debo Samuel also returned to practice on Wednesday and Thursday. There is a good possibility that Debo Samuel makes his return this upcoming weekend for the San Francisco 49ers. That being said, same thing I'm kind of saying with Olave. You can't start Lockett and you can't start Debo this upcoming week. Again, coming back from an injury, we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to be in a pitch count or a snap count or whatever it's going to be. You don't know if they're actually 100% or not. And it just seemed, with the 49ers as well, there's just a lot of other people to spread that ball around to. And as crazy as it sounds, it's just, I wouldn't start Depot this week in championship week. Coming off of, you know, missed games and injury and not knowing what exactly his workload's going to be, I'd be looking elsewhere for some, you know, some insurance or some, you know, a starter. And then that's pretty much going to wrap it up as far as the major injuries are concerned. So with all that behind us, we're just going to get to some of the major storylines around the NFL. So where I'm going to get a little uh, a little off topic, or I guess not off topic, but a little ranty, if you want to call it. So let's start with Nathaniel Hackett fired as the Denver Broncos head coach. <laughs> fired prior to week 17, you know, during, you know, at the conclusion of week 16, he was fired, let go. This shouldn't be much of a surprise. The Broncos have been an awful team all year long. If you're wondering what was finally the straw that broke the camel's back, there was some infighting, essentially, among Broncos players on and off the field this past week. So we saw one of the things that happened was Russell Wilson got sacked a couple of times on one drive, and apparently none of his offensive linemen turned around to you know help him out or help him get up off the ground. So when they came off the field, backup quarterback Brett Ripon started chirping at the offensive linemen. One of the offensive linemen started chirping back. There might have been some shoves thrown in there. There's a little argument going on. But then at the end of the game, after everything was over, there was a fight on the field as well for the Denver Broncos or on the sideline, and it's just it was a bad look. It didn't look like a team that was, you know, cohesive and on the same page and working together and hasn't seemed like that all year. We've obviously heard comments before and we've seen plenty of We've seen plenty of bashing of Russell Wilson with not really any players coming out to defend him until Jerry Judy did this past week or these past couple days where he came out and defended his guy, Russell Wilson. But other than that, it seems like there's been a lot of tension on that sideline. You know, you've got the meme with Melvin Gordon giving the eyes to Russell Wilson earlier in the season before he was off the team. And it just seems like... Obviously, a lot was going wrong with the Denver Broncos, but it's easier to move on from Nathaniel Hackett than it is to move on from Russell Wilson because of the way the contracts are constructed for players versus coaches and how it affects the salary cap, whereas, you know, a quarterback's contract is going to affect a large majority of the salary cap. Coaches' contracts don't affect the salary cap at all. And the team was just bad. I mean, they he couldn't manage game situations. He couldn't manage the clock. He couldn't come up with an offense essentially he was brought in to be this offensive minded guru who comes over from green bay where he was you know the whispered in aaron Rodgers' ear and led it to you know this back-to-back mvc mvp season the past two years and this that and the other thing and then he shows up in denver and it's like his offense is let's try to get it to our third string tight end 
I know you guys have heard me say this before you've been listening to the podcast, but this legitimately was like the focus point of their offense was let's try to get our third string tight ends involved in this. You know, let's just try to get it to any tight end we can. Forget Jerry Judy, forget Cortland Sutton, forget any of our running backs. You know, let's just try to get it to any tight end who's on the field. And as the season started to go along, they started to realize, like, hey, this probably isn't the best plan. I don't know if it was, like, a creative thing where they thought maybe they could trick defenses by going to their second or third string tight end on plays, but it just wasn't working. And you saw during the, as the season went along, they kind of started to move away from it, got the wide receivers a little bit more involved, but not a whole lot. And then some of it was just error by Russell Wilson, but, I mean, it, it was just all around from the top to the bottom. It didn't seem like a team that was on the same page. It didn't seem like a team that had a very clear plan as to what they were going to do on offense. And if they did have a plan as to what they were doing on offense, again, everybody wasn't in agreement on that plan, it seems like. And there seem to be some other things going on there. I don't know what the deal is with Russell Wilson and his teammates, whether or not they are or aren't in a good position. But again, if you are a good head coach and you're a decent head coach, you're at least able to mask some of that for the time being, so it's not such a public ordeal all season. So let, let me give you an example. Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers had Le'Veon Brown and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown on his team at the same time. And we saw those dudes go elsewhere and be nothing but trouble and cause no, essentially nothing but problems on the other teams that they went to, especially Antonio Brown showing up in the news over and over again for these crazy things. And you never really saw any of that when they were on the Steelers. They were just part of a high-functioning high-powered offense that scored points and never had a losing season. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about, where Mike Tomlin's able to take players like that and keep all that under wraps and keep it in-house, and it doesn't really break and show up on national television. There's not beat reporters talking about it every week. Nathaniel Hackett had almost no pulse on this team. He just wasn't reading the crowd right, wasn't reading the team right, wasn't getting the team on the same page, wasn't able to convince them just to do basic professional things like not fighting each other on the field and on the sideline on national television. So Nathaniel Hackett gone after one season. Hopefully this leads to some improvement for the Broncos. But just to give you an idea how bad the Broncos are, the defensive coordinator was offered to be the interim head coach for the Denver Broncos, and he said no. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I'm good. Uh, I'm doing this out of loyalty to Nathaniel Hackett. You know, I don't want to be the interim head coach after you fire him. But reality, he doesn't be responsible for what this offense does for the rest of the season. He's the defensive coordinator. This has been one of the best defenses all year. Why is he going to sully his name and his reputation by taking over and becoming a part of and being attached to this Denver offense? It just doesn't make any sense. So... Some other offenses that are struggling and are making some changes, Derek Carr has been benched by the Las Vegas Raiders. Their playoff hopes are essentially dead, and they are going with backup Jared Stidham. So, this is crazy. I'm in a glass case of emotion! Because last year, the, you know, Derek Carr and the Raiders overachieved after having to fire John Gruden early in season due to, you know, the mess of the hateful messages that were leaked from his email account. And they went on to have an overly successful season, you know, managed to make the playoffs at the end, managed to keep the Chargers out because the Chargers wanted to try some shenanigans at the end of the game last season where they both they could have just tied and both got in, but the Chargers decided that they didn't want that, and the Raiders decided, well, then we don't want it either, and we're going to cost you. So 
And then the Raiders this year, you know, trade for Devontae Adams. That's Derek Carr's guy. Him and Devontae Adams couldn't wait to be united and be together. And Devontae Adams couldn't wait to, you know, get away from Green Bay and the Packers and go play with his boy, Derek Carr. And, I mean, they just, their connection has been hit and miss all season. Like, they are literally, it's boom bust with them. They have certain weeks. And, you know, Rich and I talked about this a little bit before when we were talking about starting Devontae Adams. And, I mean, if you've started Devontae Adams in the playoffs and you're still in the championship, congratulations to you because he's been, the past three weeks, wide receiver 78, wide receiver 59, and wide receiver 39. Last week, 3.5 points. Before that, 6.8 points. And before that, 10.10 points. So, I mean, he's just, between the past three games, he's barely, in total, between those three games, put up over 20 points. So, that's... Again, it's just what we're talking about, where he's got plenty of finishes inside as, you know, a top 10, top 15 wide receiver. He also has pretty much just as many where he is not even a top 25 wide receiver or worse. So, obviously, that experiment didn't go right there. There's now talk that Derek Carr could be traded. I'm seeing crazy places. I'm seeing the Giants and the Colts being talked about for Derek Carr. So, it it seems like there's a realistic possibility Derek Carr could be moved. What does that do for Devontae Adams, who got traded to the Raiders and then signed, you know, an extension and a deal to stay there and play with Derek Carr? And what did the Raiders do at quarterback? I don't know, but I doubt that the answer is Jarrett Stidham. So the Raiders are just in shambles. The Raiders honestly look like they might be hitting reset after this year. This might be one of the things where they realized, okay, last year, the thing with John Gruden, that was that was a one-off. That was a fluke. That was, you know, everything just happened to break right for us that year where we managed to sneak into the playoffs. But realistically, if we look at it, does this team have enough talent to compete all over the place? There's been plenty of misses with first-round draft picks. We've seen they've released several of their first-round draft picks over the past couple of years. You know, Alex Leatherwood and guys like that. So, honestly, this may be a team where they lost their head coach last season and had to bring in a new one. They look like they could be, you know, Josh Jacobs is in the last year of his contract. Do they want to re-sign him to a team that looks like they could be rebuilding or isn't ready to compete? No. So, Josh Jacobs might be gone and at that point, you could just let Derek Carr. And then if Derek Carr is gone and Josh Jacobs is gone and you got rid of the guy who was your, supposed to be a 10-year head coach for you last year, it might just be the best thing to just hit the reset button on this. Just blow it up and decide, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to draft the quarterback and we're just going to work on rebuilding this team around, you know, a new head coach with a new image. And what does that mean for Devontae Adams? I don't know. I imagine it'll be hard to trade him with his contract and his guarantees, so he might be stuck there. But again, that's even more reason for them to move away instead of signing other guys to expensive contracts like Josh Jacobs or bringing other guys in you add draft picks you trade some of the older guys away you get younger and then you have a bunch of rookie contracts on there to offset Devontae Adams thing and then you have Devontae Adams for whatever new quarterback you bring in there to be a, a security blanket while they get their feet wet and the other young guys that you pick up end up or you know try to develop additionally Taylor Heineke has been benched for the Washington Commanders Carson Wentz will be the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season, the final two games of the season. What does this do fantasy-wise for you? It makes McLaurin, Terry McLaurin a little bit more of a nervous start. So Terry McLaurin, again, has been having some decent fantasy games the past couple of weeks with Taylor Heineke under center. However, the beginning of the season, when Carson Wentz was under center, Taylor Heineke was essentially third in the pecking order behind Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson. So... This is one of those things where, again, with the quarterback change, there may be a preference change as far as which wide receiver the quarterback wants to go to. And Carson Wentz 
has shown a preference for, you know, Curtis Samuel for volume and Jahan Dotson for the deep shots and leaves very little for Terry McLaurin. So again, if you're starting Terry McLaurin this upcoming week in the championship weekend, I'd be nervous and I might be looking for more upside plays, especially because I don't know that Terry McLaurin's upside with Heineke or Wentz under center is necessarily that high to begin with. So I'd be looking for a pivot play off of McLaurin with Wentz starting under center this week, knowing that Samuel or Dotson might end up taking away a large portion of the volume. So I'm not exactly sure why the commanders are making this move to go away from Heineke. I don't, it just seems like it's a a lateral move to go from Heineke to Wentz. So skill-wise for the commanders, lateral move. But for your fantasy players, greater effect on Terry McLaurin. Might also affect Brian Robinson because Wentz isn't prone to checking down to the running backs. Maybe the extra volume in the passing game we were hoping he would get with, you know, no Antonio Gibson being there. Maybe that doesn't come to fruition. So maybe you don't pivot to Brian Robinson or flex Brian Robinson if you don't think that Wentz is going to involve him in the passing game. But other than that, that is everything that I had for you this week. Again, we said we're going to keep this short one because it's just me by myself. So we will be together again next week. Heading into the offseason, we're going to start looking at some Dynasty content. We're going to recap essentially some of the things that happened through this past season, what went wrong for certain players or certain teams, and how you can use that information to prepare for next year. But until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Happy New Year to you all out there. See you next time.